What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, we're hoping uh, that the fandom for this show spreads like a virus, but we're also realistic and know that'll never happen. But we'll talk about it on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. For the first time in a while, I am not joined by my co-hosts in person. We're back in the virtual world uh, for this month. Hopefully next month we'll be back together. But I can still see their shining faces on Zoom on my computer, and it is Mike Duranic. Hey, what's going on, man? And Brad Miller. What's up? Uh, Not much. I actually just got done watching the movie we're doing uh, on this episode just about an hour ago. When it comes to the movies that we have to rent uh, that are not just available to us on streaming, those get pushed to the very last second because in the back of my mind, I keep telling myself, like, tomorrow it's going to pop up. Like, Netflix is going to have Outbreak uh, sometime within the next week or two. I would almost guarantee it. Um, But... Nevertheless, did rent it, did watch it today, and that is the movie we are talking about. It is about, about it is 1995's Outbreak. Yes, Brad? Oh, we uh, we have a bit of a problem then, because when we did this, uh, we decided last month what we were going to watch. I thought you said Breakout. Oh, no. And I just finished a prison movie, so um, can we pause for like two hours while I go watch this? Yeah, sure. You, you go ahead. Uh, we'll wait, and we'll just pick up where we left off. And I wondered why Dustin Hoffman was not anywhere in this, but uh, yeah, maybe it would have been a better movie. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I feel like that would be hard to do, uh, but let's find out what the critics thought because the way, oh no, we don't start with that game yet. I didn't even ask you guys the right question. See, I'm all out of sorts. We're supposed to be together. We're not. I'm screwing up the podcast already. That's why the show we've always said it's mediocre, not perfect. That's fine. The first question I always ask you guys is, how did you first come to see this movie? Did you see it in theaters back in March? Are we doing March? March movies of 1995. Uh, did you catch it later? Was this your first time viewing it? What was your first experience with Outbreak? Well, to answer the question the way you asked it, I first came to see this movie like two weeks ago in my basement when I had to also pay to rent it because I could not find it anywhere else. So, um yeah, I saw it a couple weeks ago for the first time. So did did you know anything or did you bring anything into it that for this first viewing? I actually didn't. I did not know that uh uh yeah, I had no idea what it was about other than I assumed it was some sort of virus of sorts. Had no idea Dustin Hoffman was in it until I saw the little uh movie icon on the screen. I was like, "Oh, cool, Dustin Hoffman. I'm a fan of his uh, uh and Rene Russo." So, yeah, I I had high hopes. Now, Brad has completely blown my mind because I'm also like 90% sure that when we were picking these movies, you made a comment about this uh, hitting close to home because of your COVID experience. And I said, what kind of a COVID experience did you have where this movie (laughs) reflected it? But maybe you were just talking about the fact that it was like a viral outbreak and that's all you knew about it. I, I think that that's I think that one of you made a comment about some sort of uh, outbreak and maybe I, you know, put that next to my COVID experience. But 
yeah, other than whatever was said then, I had no idea what was what this movie was about. Okay, well, that makes my, my laughter uh, even funnier because I definitely, as I was watching this, uh, and I, I finished it last night, uh, kind of similarly, Ethan, I kept on uh, running out the string hoping that one of the streaming services that I pay money for would pick it up, and uh, alas, they didn't. But I'm sure that they will like uh, three days from now, probably, now that I've, now that I've paid the three ninety nine to Amazon to rent uh to rent it. I did see this back in the 90s at some point. I remember it was a pretty big uh, movie at the time. Um, it got a lot of press and uh, it was probably, my guess would be a blockbuster rental that I just, and my parents probably rented and I, I probably snagged it. But as I was watching it last night uh, with my wife, uh, I, I definitely had a couple of laughs at a few points, uh, you know, about man, this is how traumatic Brad's COVID experience must have been if it was like this. Um, so you know that that almost makes it even funnier, Brad, that, that your comment was an offhand comment that didn't involve you having much knowledge of the movie at all. Yeah, I had no idea, and that was probably just a stupid one-off comment that I made uh, to go with something one of you guys said. So it was uh, definitely new to me. Well, my first experience of this, I know it was around, it was when I was in college and what brought me to it, someone that, you know, we keep coming back to and it's kind of like you wince, still did when he popped up on screen, but it was Kevin Spacey that brought me to this. Like it was at the time that like House of Cards has gotten big, obviously, as we said on the show, huge fan of Seven and um, the usual suspects, the usual suspects. Yeah. All those things like, oh, cool. Kevin Spacey's in a 90s action movie. I'm down. And so that's what brought me to it. And then I remember, I know for a fact when COVID first hit and like, not when it first hit, but when things first started shutting down, like it was in the middle of a month, Netflix got the rights to this and plastered it right on the home screen. Like Netflix understood the assignment and went for it. And I was like, Oh, I remember that. So this is my third time seeing it. Remembered enjoying it both times. Um, And when it came up as a potential choice for this month, I, I was excited. Um, I, I think, you know, if we're kind of tracking the genres that we all have soft spots for that 90s action, I, I live in that. I love that. Um, so anytime we get a chance to kind of dip a toe in those waters, I'm always excited. And I was uh, excited to go back to this here. So now we can play the Rotten Tomatoes game and see what the overall reaction was to Outbreak uh, in 1995. So, Mike, you are the reigning champion, so you will get the opportunity to guess first. It's going to be me trying to snipe you one way or the other, and then we'll let everybody decide who, in fact, cheated this week. Well, I think we both can agree that it was probably Brad who cheated this week since you and I are playing the game against each other. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, on the one hand, this is a 90s action movie, and if uh, going through a couple of 90s action movies have taught me anything, it's that they were not as well-received as I seem to remember them being, uh, or in some cases, wish they had been. On the other hand, this has... Dustin Hoffman. It has Morgan Freeman. Um, I do remember this being pretty well received. And so um, I'm going to give you the, uh, is it fresh or is it rotten? It'll be your, your opportunity here. I'm going to go with a, a, a 60 and let you decide if you think that the critics liked it or the critics panned it. Um, I think that one, this is one of the few, I mean, I'm going to be wrong. I'm very confident that this is fresh. Um, so I'm going to say 61. It's everybody, I think, except for Donald Sutherland, really gives a really good performance um, for what it is. 
And the fact that it's an R-rated, like, yes, it's a 90s action movie, but it's very serious in its way. And I think that was that's something more the critics can get behind. So I'm going to say 61. I'm going to tell myself that it's fresh and feel very confident. And now Brad's about to tell us why uh, the critics gave this like a 42. Uh, well, this one needs a little deodorant because it's not fresh. Oh um, it is 59. So um, Mike missed it by one and you went the wrong way. So uh, Mike will continue uh, continue on to our next movie as the reigning champion. All right. So 59% just barely rotten. And it is uh, three points above the audience score. So pretty much in line 59 and 56 Ooh. for the two of those. Man, now that, that that overall surprises me. It doesn't obviously shock yeah. me that the critics had it at a, at a 59. I, I felt like it would be somewhere in between like 55 and 70. But to have the audience that low, too, is, is quite shocking. Yeah, the overall consensus, I've just pulled it up here. It says a frustratingly uneven all-star disaster drama. Outbreak ultimately proves only mildly contagious. I So, you know, the next question I always ask, is this Rotten Tomatoes correct? I have to say emphatically they're not correct. Like, I don't think this isn't a 90% movie or anything like that, but I think this absolutely is one that I put up on the shelf with awesome 90s movies I'd watch again. Like, I mean, it, it's not easy to watch it. Like, it's it's very R. Like, the, it's very aggressive. Like, when they do, whoever did the makeup and all that, I'm honestly surprised I looked up. It received no Oscar nominations. I thought maybe uh, makeup and effects would probably get a nod um, because it's very, like, gruesome what they do with. But uneven is really what I question that consensus because whether, wherever you guys end up on this movie or not, you liked it or you didn't, I would say uneven is an unfair characterization of this movie because it is what it is from the time you hit play to the end of the movie it does not bounce back and forth it opens with the government wiping a small african town off the face of the planet and then that is definitely the tone that that carries through the rest of this movie so i say wrong i have plenty of other thoughts on it but i wonder where you guys are just at initially in in with uh, the rotten tomato score there uh, I think the uh, I think the number's wrong, but I think it's too high. Honestly, like um, I was not a fan of this one, um, and I think what took it down for me the most is the the cast that it did have. I think they shot too high for this. I think that uh, I mean this was what they did in the '90s. You know, you're going to get all of the stars to go and do this, but if they had gotten some, maybe one star and then some people on the rise to come do this i think i would have liked it more because i was watching it through the lens of i know what morgan freeman's capable of i know what dustin hoffman's capable of renee russo kevin spacey you know uh donald sutherland right on down the line and i think that uh i had way too high of expectations once i saw who was in it um i think if i had watched this in the mid 90s uh or, you know, anywhere in the 90s, I think my score would have been much higher because um, this falls right in line. I think we talked about that with what was coming out at the time and it would have been fine. You know, um, if I would have played the Rotten Tomatoes game, I probably would have guessed that it was going to be in the 70s because very low 70s, because I think that, uh, you know, it, I don't know why it wouldn't have been well received if those scores came from back then. But 
Um, I, I agree with what it said. It, to me, it was uneven. Um, the stars didn't hit. Um, it was interesting, but not compelling. Like I wasn't on the edge of my seat, like, you know, who's going to live, who's going to die, what's going to happen. Um, there are a couple of, of decent parts for me, but, um, I know that it's not going to be the same answer for all of you, but this was my lowest, uh, scored movie of the month. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with where they scored it. I think that, uh, that or below would have been fine with me. So for me, I, I think that I would have, uh, I anticipated that this was going to be somewhere around the upper sixties or lower seventies. Um, that's where it felt like it would be to me. I do think that they scored it uh, a little bit low, but not tremendously. So, um, you know, this is not an Academy award winning film. And, uh, I agree, Brad, you, you raise a good point there. This cast certainly could have done more, um, or the movie could have been what it was, but gone maybe further or felt like it was going further with a more, um, or a less all-star cast. Uh, so I'll say that they're slightly off. I, I do think that the movie's probably fresh. There are, especially when you're grading it against its time in the mid nineties, uh, mid nineties action flick, uh, you know, this is probably one of the better ones from that era. Um, I had it uh, as of right now, sitting at about a 65, um, uh, 65, uh, out of the 113, I think that we've watched so far. So it's pretty solidly middle of the pack for me in terms of the movies we've watched. Um, so slightly off, not, uh, not terribly off, but I, I think you make a strong point, Brad. Yeah. I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think this movie's even in the 80. I'd have it. I think it's a mid seventies movie for what it's trying to be. And for me, like Brad, you said for the month, this is the literal middle movie of the month for me. Uh, there's five that we did. I would put this third on the movies we did. I think the emotional impact of the people, you know, dying or whatever, like part of that if Kevin Spacey wasn't who he is today, I think that one would mean a little bit more. I know it meant more back in 2013 when I watched it the first time, I was sad to see Kevin Spacey die. And now today I'm like, all right, well, he's a jack wagon. Um, but I think what actually elevates this, I think that Rene Russo and Dustin Hoffman are great together in this. I really bought into it. Like I was comparing it to, we just did the crazies last month obviously two very different tonal movies that's trying to be much more horror but it's a viral outbreak kind of thing whatever and that is just a straight up action movie and like you don't care about timothy oliphant and whatever his wife's name is in that rada mitchell i think it was i don't know but you don't care about it and they're fine but they don't really buy into that like i believed dustin hoffman and renee russo as a divorced couple and he really still believed in them being together and i was happy to see them have those moments at the end like when he took his mask off and things like that like i really enjoyed that and i thought cuba did a really good job uh being you know the the kind of fresh recruit or whatever you know he's supposed to be like i've always enjoyed him like i thought everybody did exactly what they were supposed to do and right down to the peak of every 90s action movie there has to be a monologue and was it cheesy yes but is that monologue seeing maybe one of my favorites of the 90s like just a step below the bathroom scene in uh, The Rock? Yes, it is. I thought that was fantastic. They hit it out of the park with that, in my opinion. Like, it just had enough things that I really, really enjoyed um, that that brought me through the whole thing. So, I was a big fan. Um, 
looking back, I believe this is the first time we've talked about Dustin Hoffman. And I know I always say that and then I'm wrong, but I'm highly confident that we have not talked a Dustin Hoffman movie before. Um, and when I looked through his filmography, it was, I was going to be interested to see what you guys said, Brad, you said you're a fan of him. I mean, when I looked at it, I haven't really watched that many Dustin Hoffman movies. I've seen the graduate, obviously seen rain man sleepers, Tootsie, things like that. But like, he's an absolute icon in my opinion, especially of this era, but I just really haven't seen that many of his movies. And I've watched this one the most of any of his movies which is wild. So I don't know where you guys are at with Dustin Hoffman. Like I said, Brad, you said you were a fan, but um, it was pretty strange to me for being an icon. He doesn't have just a whole host of movies that are like, Oh my God, that's like, Oh my, that one. Oh, he's in that one too. Oh, it was just a list of movies I know of. I think that he was miscast in this. Um, I think that what you needed in that role is, uh, to buy the fact that that person was going to be in control. Like, I don't buy him being married to Rene Russo. I don't buy him standing up to Morgan Freeman. I don't buy him in some of the those scenes where he, um, you know, he used his words and his, his uh, ability to sway through his words to get, you know, what he wanted when he was trying to get the plane and stuff like that. Like, that's not who Dustin Hoffman is. And I don't think they played to his strengths. Um I think Hoffman as the Kevin Spacey character, maybe um, where he could have, you know, done some of that, like, I don't know, kind of done his thing. He's always the unassuming. You don't expect it. Like in Rain Man, you've got Tom Cruise there, but Dustin Hoffman wins that with his performance, you know? Um, and I think that's where he shines. And I don't think this is the right film for him. So I am a fan of his. I mean, he won me over with Rain Man when I was very young. So He'll always have a special place for me, but um, yeah, just I think just miscast in this. Um, they needed somebody that could control the room, I think, a little bit better um, than he could. So that was my only problem with it. I, I like seeing him. I, I'm glad we got to do one of his movies, but um, hopefully we can do another one so we can get one that, at least in my opinion, is is better. Yeah, this. Um his performance in this reminded me actually of a movie of his that was, was not that great, but has a special place in my heart uh, because of the fact that I'm a big Michael Crichton fan. And that's uh, the movie sphere, which came out three years later. It's an adaptation of a Crichton movie. And in both instances, he's playing some sort of a, of a scientist, a medical scientist, right. And uh, bad things are happening and he's trying to figure out what's happening. And um, I came out of this thinking is, you know, Dustin Hoffman is, is, I, I would have said even before this, probably rightly considered in that upper echelon of actors from that generation, right? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to confuse him with with Jack or with De Niro or even Pacino, but he's probably considered to be in like that next cut beneath them, right? Um, and so then I walked out of this going, is he overrated or underrated? Because in this movie, I felt like he was just playing Dustin Hoffman. I didn't feel like it was that much different than the Dustin Hoffman we got in Meet the Fockers. Who, which I appreciated. I appreciated watching him and De Niro in that. Uh, I've certainly seen The Graduate a couple of times. I think it's it's fine, although the best part of it is undoubtedly the soundtrack with all the music from Simon and Garfunkel. Um, but it, it's fine. It's iconic. But I don't know that it's uh, anything to, to write home about. And then as you look through his filmography, um, it, I've watched a lot of his movies. 
I don't know that I've ever been just like blown away by him. Even in Rain Man, he was great in that. But I, I honestly think that Cruz playing off him is what made that work more than maybe Hoffman's performance as iconic as it was. So I guess at the end of all of that, I would say I, as I talk through this, I've come to the point that he's probably properly rated. He's not, uh, he, he doesn't have performances that make me go, oh my goodness. And that is a masterclass in acting, but he's solid all the way through. And I mean, he's had a career, he's 85 now, a career going all the way back to the graduate, at least in 67 in terms of, of major movies and is still making movies now, even if a lot of it is, uh, is voice work uh, in some cartoons. Yeah, I, I, I would say like, I think longevity plays a huge part in it. And like you kind of touched on the consistency, you know, I mean, obviously different realms here, but he doesn't have a little Nicky in his filmography, right? Like everything he did for 35 years was consistently considered a good movie. I mean, now this is a rotten movie, but even this still like 59%, this isn't 19%, right? Like he just always, and a box office draw back when, I mean, now it's a lot tougher for single, just like one single actor to really just sell a movie, right? Like the rocks, the biggest movie star in the world. And he still, I mean, his last movie shut down an entire production company. So like this is back when that could happen. And this was, I look, this is an R rated movie. So your box office is going to be a little bit lower, but they spent 50 million and it made 200. So a $200 million 1995 R rated movie probably made that much money because Dustin Hoffman's and Morgan Freeman's faces were on the the poster. Renee Russo as well, but I don't, like even in the mid 90s like this is probably still Renee Russo probably wasn't a huge star at the time. Lynn was Major League was 90 early 90s, right? Maybe 89. 80, 88 89 Okay, so there. I mean so she's established but not not established in the way that the other two are. Like there's there's a lot to be said that's why they did that in the 90s because you could slap someone's face on a poster and get your money back in a hurry well so i also think you know as you as you look at it we we, you read like the the snapshot of the critics opinions but um you know ebert here uh, at the time gave it a three and a half out of four stars right and and 95 that's like right in the the ebert wheelhouse where his opinion probably mattered more than anybody's yep. uh, in terms of, of film critics right he says one of the great scare stories of our time um is what he led with now obviously he was not the the consensus but what that tells you is that this movie was probably received differently and part of that may have been because this is peak hoffman this is peak morgan freeman um shawshank was the year before right as i'm thinking of this 94 yep. um so you've had the usual suspects was right in there uh, and seven was right in there. So Spacey is, is pretty much at a, at a peak uh, or near a peak. Um, so it, it was received differently in the nineties. And again, I think, um, you know, was Hoffman's performance a part of that? What I didn't buy to, you know, Brad's point of, of was he swaying you? I didn't buy the, the romantic relationship between he and Russo and it made it, uh, it made it interesting when, you know, he comes to the end and then takes his, his helmet off. And it's like, eh, really? Like, I, I don't know. It just, they didn't seem to have the chemistry on screen that uh, on screen that made that stick for me. Yeah. I'm, I think, you know, you each said, Ethan, you said you bought it. Mike didn't. I'm on Mike's side with it. I think that, um, I mean, if, if we're talking real talk here, you know, 
looks wise, she's out of his league. Uh, age wise, I'm assuming she's a lot younger than him. Um, probably, I think maybe 15 years. I, she's right around 70, I think. And Mike, you said he's 85. So you've got that. And then he's just weird. And like, he says a couple things like the, the one line of like, Oh, Hey, I got to tell you something. Oh wait, I forgot. Oh, wait, I got it. You know? And it, it was just, he's just kind of like this socially awkward kind of goofy guy. And what was it about him and their relationship other than maybe his brain that she was really into. Um, and yeah, to go from where they were to, I'm, I'm willing to die here with you because I think this vaccine's going to work. Um, was, yeah, it was a little bit too much of a stretch for me. He was, I bought his relationship with his dog more than I did his relationship with her. So, um, yeah, I just, I had a few problems with him in the way he was, I mean, he probably delivered it exactly how he was asked to deliver it. You know, he probably did a great job, but I just don't think he was the right person for it. In his defense, she's also miles and miles out of Tom Berenger's league as well. Um, <laughs> so, so, so where, where we land is properly in Kevin Costner's league. Is that about right for 10 cup? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Okay. Probably so Mel, you, Mel Gibson in the eighties. That was he was he was a good looking dude in the eighties. So I suppose yeah. For and they did Ransom, right? That was them. Uh, Ransom and uh, she was in the later Lethal Weapons. That's right. That's right. So, but yeah, I mean, it's when a movie is sitting right there on that rotten fresh line. I mean, it's obviously it's divisive. It's not going to be split one way or the other. I still honestly, the only person that took me out of the movie was Donald Sutherland the the shit he says the last third of this movie just made no sense to me that that was what that was when i thought it was a step too far um the helicopter chase scene was cool until they started talking because it is a serious movie and then he's like telling the pilot that he's missing like of course he, he's aware of like it's just that sutherland was just goofy to me i'm not sure why he was in it i know that i again like they're stacking stars but that was i've never been disappointed in donald sutherland until this afternoon yeah, I agree with you on that. I I was really excited when I saw his name pop up because um, I'd forgotten he was in this. And like in my mind, I was like, OK, good. This is going to be like a bit Sutherland part where he he brings the villain pretty good. And all I can say is uh, it was disappointing. And if he would have just played a version of uh, the character he played in the Hunger Games movies, I feel like this movie goes up a notch just with that. <laughs> uh yeah is that so i mean i guess it's sounding like i mean brad definitely like the performances weren't there for you but if there if there was an mvp of the movie who was it if you had to pick one and mike i don't know if you have one i i think it's between renee russo and morgan freeman is where i'd be leaning i like i mean morgan freeman they should have just not had donald sutherland's character and made morgan freeman's character a little more evil is what i think yeah, I don't he didn't do a good enough job of convincing me why he was working with Sutherland cuz I mean towards the end obviously he gets swayed but like yeah it I understood it from what they were saying but like it just didn't he didn't I don't know, he wasn't evil enough, I guess I should say. If you're going to go for it and you're going to protect this lie, then be that guy. 
and I don't think he did a good enough job kind of one way or the other. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think because of that, I would say, I would say Renee Russo. Um, I, I think that, uh, she did pretty well. I mean, even for what he, for what he was asked to do, Cuba Gooding Jr. was, yeah. was, was great too, but I don't think he was quite to her level. So if I'm picking one, I guess it would be her. Beyond the monkey, who obviously <laughs> is the star of the movie, particularly for the like uh, penultimate scene where you start to think the monkey's going to bite the little girl and attack the little girl, right? Mm -hmm. Like clearly the monkey's the winner. Uh, but if we take the monkey out of the running and go with uh, with, with human actors uh, or actresses, <laughs> I think that Rene Russo probably is the, the winner for me. Um, and then, you know, I think it's one of those things where it probably, again, to your point, it probably would have been spacey in the nineties, but it can't be spacey now. Right. All, all, you know, I, I did have this thought of like, you know, boy, this movie has shifted dramatically from where, like you said, it would have been emotional seeing spacey get sick and, and, you know, ha have these lesions break out. And the scene with him and Russo would have been a real emotional thing where now you're like, eh. I mean, the virus can, can take him out, and that's okay, right? You're almost rooting for the virus. Yeah. Well, it sucks because the the work they did there, the effort, like when he, because he's having a conversation with him about the divorce, and he they purposely put the line in. If he says, like, you know how I've stayed friends with both of you, I don't talk about. It. So, like, he is a joining force for the two of them. So that is a big writing out a story, putting a story together. That's a huge moment if you're telling a story of two people who have like lost love coming back together, like that's the moment where they're really working together for the first time, like full force, right? Trying to save their friends, getting the ice on him. She's doing the needle thing. She ends up getting stuck, but he's over here to like, they're work. They are a team like right there. You can see how well they probably work together for the first, you know, decade of them or whatever it was. And now it's just the fact that it's Kevin Spacey wrecks it. Uh, and, and takes away from it but again we talk about how like subtly somewhere in someone's subconscious he kept getting cast actually perfectly he should have never gotten Rene Russo sick because he should have just quarantined himself the second the, the suit split open so the real Kevin Spacey snuck in there just a little bit he got in there he did make a terrible decision that put people in danger uh again they just didn't still know still even even uh, even as an uh, as a good guy, his evil comes out. Yes, yes, it does. Weird. I think the weird thing about all of this is that of all the people of in the movies that we've done, he's probably been in the most. If we went through and tallied them, um, he's must be right in our wheelhouse of things that we enjoy for the movies we pick for this podcast because he's been in a lot of our movies. I'm, yeah, he. We've he's never probably, denied. Yeah. Yeah, probably on his way to being the best actor of that generation in a lot of ways, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and then just obviously uh, the, the terrible stuff about him came out. And again, to society's credit, I feel like had that stuff come out 20 years earlier, if, he, if you take his life and push it back 20 years, he probably just keeps on making movies without much, uh, you know, issue. But to society's credit... Um, he's basically been ostracized in every way from what I can see. I don't know. I don't follow the stuff as closely as you do, Ethan. I mean, he would have for all, I mean, obviously would have, could have, should have, but probably would have won an Oscar for the movie that he got recast in, in the middle of editing when that all came out. So he would have been tied with Tom Hanks. If that played out, if, if he would have finished out house of cards, he probably would have had an Emmy at that point. 
you try to go win a Tony and he's got the EGOT, which not many men have done. A few women have done it. Like, yeah, like that's, you just devote, especially someone, cause he's a singer too. He is, he's done Broadway. So someone with that talent, when you devote yourself to that, you're going to go win a Tony. Like it. Yeah. It's just be nice people. Be better. Just be better. So if, be better human beings. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's all. All right. Let's flip it over guys. Let's do favorite line, favorite scene. Let's start with favorite line from this movie. Well, for me, um, it just uh, I, because I think it was extremely well delivered in the moment, uh, and I, I tried to even jot it down here in my notes. Let's see if I've got it. Uh, there you go. Uh, it is go in there without a mask, and you'll see it clearer. Yes. Just when he is uh, when, yes. when when Hoffman's going at Morgan Freeman there, and I thought that was such a well delivered yep. line because it's also something that I could see any of us or any of the people that that I know who get passionate in an argument it is a zinger that i could see in real life in a situation like that um just to, to politely tell your superior to f off so uh that was the winner for me well i didn't have one but after hearing that one it reminded me that i did enjoy that so i'm just going to double down and say that that was mine as well that is a fantastic one um mine i as i was watching it mine was just the less subtle version of ter- telling your superior to f off and it was general with all due respect. Fuck you, sir. Uh, just because that was, I, I liked that he was just like clearly not a strong, like jock army guy. I liked that. And the fact that he threw the sir uh, on the end of that, uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, switching over to favorite scene, mine, I already mentioned it, so I'll just start it. I live for the monologue scenes in 90s movies. This is the one I remembered. This was why I was excited to hit play when the chief of staff is giving his whole thing about this is the constitution of the united states it says nothing about killing 2600 americans and throws the pick it it's so cheesy it's so over the top i don't care that guy's a great character actor he's been in so much stuff i know he was we did he was in backdraft um so we've talked about jt walsh before uh but that monologue scene about uh just letting us know that in fact the u.s constitution does not have anything in it about firebombing a town uh in the United States, just in case you didn't know um, that that was hands down my favorite scene. Well, I've already referenced my favorite scene um, and it became my favorite scene just because uh, of what transpired as the scene was going on. So, as I mentioned, I was watching this last night with my wife um, and uh, as we're watching this movie, it gets to the scene there where uh, Russo is is ill and uh, she she may be dying and then Hoffman pulls his, his helmet off and my wife without skipping a beat says, what is he doing? That's so stupid. I mean, I love you, but there's no way I'm pulling my helmet off in that situation. Uh, if that's what it takes to like motivate you to live, then I'm sorry. You're probably, you're probably going to bite it. And so I just appreciated that scene uh, pretty much entirely because of that. Um, I think mine was uh, simply at the end when um he i guess purposefully drops the bomb in the wrong place and then has the little line of like oh it must have been a wind gust or something um i think that it uh it was the right amount of suspense finished with the right amount of humor um in that moment so um that that was my favorite scene well that will be it then the three different scenes we had a little run there where I was stealing your guys' scenes doing that. I'm glad I did not spoil anything today. We just, we all got to say our pieces. 
when we all got to give uh, our favorite parts of this movie uh, its moment in the sun. I think this kind of perfectly encapsulates what that score ended up being. I mean, I said I disagreed with it, but it seems like I really, really enjoyed it. Mike was really in the middle on it, and Brad didn't like it. So, you know, you take the aggregate, and we're right back to where Rotten Tomatoes had it. So, uh, it seems like uh, maybe they do know what they're doing. Um, but that will wrap up our conversation of Outbreak as we kick off the month of March which will lead us into next week's episode, which will be about a fantastic film entitled Ready Player One. Ready Player One, the Steven Spielberg uh, epic from 2018. So Ready Player One, uh, get ready for that. Other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.